Hotel Room, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Abby, and I'm another one of your hosts, Bree, and it's a beautiful, and it's a beautiful day, day to podcast. podcast. Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep going. If this is your first time listening, thanks so much for joining us. Maybe you are uh, looking for something new during this time that you're quarantining, self-distancing at home, and you finally decided to give this podcast a try. Um Great that you started here. If you want to go back to the beginning, we started in season one, episode one. The audio is a little rough, so just be aware. <laughs> and this is Yeah, just give us some grace, you know? Yeah, and this is a spoilers podcast. So we talk about the current episodes we're on as well as future episodes, everything in between grays. We nothing's off topic. So beware. Yeah, we just basically deep dive as much as we can, talk about things we like, didn't like. And sometimes, most of the time, go off on tangents. So we're happy you're joining us. And if you have been listening for a while and one week, uh, one episode a week isn't enough for you, you can go to patreon.com slash the on-call room where you can pledge to be an intern, a resident, or an attending. Um, all of these different levels get you a bunch of different bonus content, like bonus episodes. Uh, you can join our once-a-month Zoom hangout with our $10 listeners, which honestly is the perfect thing during this social distancing time. You also get access to our Facebook group for only $2 a month. So that is an really awesome community, especially with the actual Grey's Anatomy finales that are on the future horizon. You can have friends to talk about with it. So if you are interested in more of that and supporting us, go to www.patreon.com slash the on call room. Perfect. Another way that you can support us is following us on Instagram at the on call room pod. There you will see updates of when we drop new episodes. We might uh, post a photo of Marge or McCoy, which you will hear all about on the podcast. Um, And you can chat with us there. Another way, if you want to connect with us, is on our website, www.theoncallroompod.com. There is a forum on there that you can fill out if you have any suggestions for the podcast. We recommend that you send that over there. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I feel like we got an email recently, and I'm just now remembering that I need to check it. Oh, great. (laughs) um, Also on our Patreon page, we're working towards a goal and we're almost there. So you can see that on the page. But once we reach that goal, we're going to be releasing a post-op episode where it's like the last 10 minutes we usually hit stop. We're just going to keep recording and see what happens. And only our patrons will get that longer episode. So that's another incentive. So if you have a friend that you think wants to join, um, show them that. And lastly, too, a really great way to support us is to leave a review on iTunes. Um, We're at a five-star right now, a five-scalpel, as we like to say, which is awesome. And I have a little featured review. Sometimes we read them. Um, This one is from Hey Jude News. Oh, I love that name. And I know. And the subject is Seriously. This podcast is what you are looking for. Hosts that are funny in all kinds of ways, so it hits all kinds of humor. They are also super personal and easy to get to know, and you feel like you two are along friend stopping by for a glass of wine. They bring different points of view to old seasoned Grey's watchers like myself and refreshes the show for me. I finally understood the I'm here for you. No, I won't tell you. You'll have to listen. It's the perfect podcast to listen to while driving. I plan on re-listening during a road trip this summer. I love the co-hosts and again, how they feel like old friends. Um, super thankful for that. Also, I had to look up the I'm here for you. I was like, wait, I know I can picture it in my head, but what is it? It's Denny. I couldn't remember. Yes, it's Denny. He says and that. We went back and forth about what we thought uh, that meant. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah. If, but yeah, I was like, 
It was just so weird. I could hear it in my head. Like I could hear the actor saying it, but, but didn't I was know like, what wait, was what from. is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So those are, I think those are our updates and our little things yeah, that we so have to tell you. Um, we are still social distancing. We are. We, from each other, which is bullshit. This week. <laughs> but we're doing it. This week, I found an actual table to sit at instead of a credenza in a bedroom. <laughs> so it's going a lot better for me over here. I will say, um, I was texting Abby today. was the first day that I actually got to work from home during this um, time of social distancing. I am like kind of an essential worker. I work in a doctor's office, a chiropractic office. Um And so the doctors are still working. And finally, it just got to the point where I I decided I didn't feel comfortable being there anymore. And so I told my boss and we got creative and we troubleshooted and we found a way for me to work remotely from home and do like a web video chat with patients, which... They can't the future. Yeah, they can't see me, but I can see them. And let me tell you, I had a. It, it was the first day we did this. A blast today when people would like walk and show up in my like camera view and get confused about whether they should go back or not. And then I just unmute myself and go hello. And then they like turn around and I'm not there. And. I should have been videotaping it, honestly, because it was kind of funny. <laughs> um, That's so, did you, you could have really scared people by like, boo. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a ghost. Um, or be like, I really like your red shirt. Yeah. But, <laughs> so I, um, Abby and I were texting about getting ready to record and I was like, um, yeah, just give me a second. I just have to move my workstation from the couch to a table. Like it's just, I've been in the same space for one day and I'm like, oh, I get it now. Like, yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. So let's, um, let's play, although maybe yours will be boring. What are you wearing? Cause I am been wearing the weirdest shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I could have, we could have done this like a couple days ago. I will say I was wearing like, um, what are those, um, like pants that have really like the, um, hair, like, harem pants. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah but like pants. pulled up to my boobs with a, and it was like this crazy design. And then like, are they the, I think I know it. You always wear those, the colorful ones. They're colorful. Yeah. But then I had like yeah. this crazy pink floral robe over it and it was a lot of patterns and it was definitely like, and then I was like, I wore it out on our front porch to drink a glass of wine. And I was like, welcome <laughs> neighbors. Here I am. <laughs> But today I haven't worn a bra in weeks. Oh yeah, no, I don't I haven't had a bra on in forever either. I put um today I did Princess Leia buns on top of my head. Oh, I did that once. It's fun. Yeah, because I usually do like a top knot or a top bun. And I was like, uh, why wouldn't I do two buns and like get real crazy today? Um, but I'm just wearing black. I bet they look so cute. I bet they look so good. I'll send you a photo later. Um, but I'm just wearing black sweatpants and a gray t-shirt today. Oh, that's much more normal. I, so like, okay, I was craving yesterday. You know, when you want a shirt that's like bigger than yours, like it's a size you would never, even if I like like my baggy shirts are not as baggy as like what I was craving to wear. Mm -hmm. Like, and so luckily, like Jake is like by he's got some shirts, especially that like people have bought him that are just too big for even him because he wears his pretty fitted. 
And so I found this, it's like that, it regular old like Gildan cotton, which I hate if it's fitted, but it's like really big. So it's amazing. It's a long sleeve shirt, which is also like so comfy. And it's like probably a men's double XL. It goes down to like almost my knees. The only bad thing about it is it's a Lions shirt and I'm a Packer fan. And Mm -hmm. this one is actually like dissing Packer fans on it. It has a guy on it and it says, meet Dick. Dick is a Packers fan. And then on the back, it says, don't be a dick. (laughs) You could wear it Um, inside out. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm wearing that with biker shorts. And then I'm wearing, I've been wearing tennis shoes all around my house. I don't know. It hurts my feet to be barefoot. (laughs) And I have (laughs) my white tennis shoes on with tall white socks. So you can't see my shorts. I just look like a crazy person. And I was wearing this last night too. And I liked it so much that like I didn't sleep in it. And then after I showered today, I put it back on. So it was like pristine again. But yesterday I I ended up going to the liquor store at night because I was out of wine and I just, I had to. And um, I was like, Jake, can I wear this? He was like, you know. He was like, it looks like you don't have pants on. And I was like, so then I like tied it up on the side. So at least you could see that I did have shorts on. And Jake was like, now people are just going to look at your ass. I was like, I'll cover it. So it was like covered my ass in the back. It was just so stupid looking, but I I just didn't care. I just, I went in and out of there in like 30 seconds. I mean, we just have to find ways to like reinvent ourselves right now. I, so like, I have this t-shirt on right now and I think you know which one it is. It's like my gray one from Target that mm-hmm, is like super mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. and stretched out. And I think- I have it too. <clears throat> I think the problem, like, cause I even have some baggy t-shirts that are, are baggy, but they're still uncomfortable. The thing I love about this is it's loose on the neckline. So like it yeah. falls off my shoulders and I like, and so, and it's also baggy through like, the belly area. I just like hate those like baggy t-shirts where I'm like, I just want something baggy, but they're so tight around your boobs and your Or your belly. I hate when it's tight on my belly. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like that this one literally could probably fit four people in the top of it. And like my boob almost. You could have sex inside the shirt. Just like our. You could. Yeah. My (laughs) Grey's Anatomy shirts. (laughs) Like my tit almost falls out of it all the time. Um, It's. (laughs) Yeah. I. I have that shirt and I think I bought it in the same size as you, which like we're pretty much the same stature except that I don't have boobs like yours. And so for me, like if I shuffle, I, I sometimes I sleep in it. I wake up with it at my waist. Mm-hmm. Like it, like, like yeah, it's, it's just completely <laughs> come off. But I do feel very sexy in it. Yeah, I mean, it is like big. It's a nice shirt. It's big to begin with, but then I think it just stretched a ton because I've worn it so much. I mean, it has holes all over it and I refuse to get rid of it because I love it so much. It's my- If you could go back in time, would you have bought multiple in different colors? Well, I did. I bought a white one and a black one, but they didn't fit the same as the gray. And they they were the same size. And the black one, I think I got rid of. I got rid of the white very quickly because white clothes just like get ugly yeah. fast. So um, I got rid of that one what, really quickly. But I don't. What I, what I think is funny is like, you'd think like I have all this like, you know, athleisure wear or like they're like cute outfits, but they're also like comfy, you know, but yet I find myself wearing like the ugliest, like yes. <laughs> just like. 
like there's no, it's not the outfits that like, oh, I could like watch TV in these and go out. No, I'm not gonna fucking wear those. I'm just wearing the things that are, I don't wanna be seen in public, but are so comfy. Yeah, I can't wait until it's a little bit warmer because God knows this is gonna extend yes. into summer, but I can start wearing like muumuu dresses and like house, like yes. I call them my house dresses and start wearing, <laughs> it's just a little too cold to wear that. Three, your neighbors are gonna think that there's a ghost that lives in yeah. your house. Like, I literally just float past the windows in my moo-moos. They'll be like, there was a colonial, like the like in Bridesmaids, when they're like, there's a colonial woman on the airplane. That'll be you in your, in your nightgown. Yes, that is me. That's what I'm going for, really. I want people to, like, uh, be kind of, like, intrigued by us, but too afraid to talk to us. Have you met anyone yet? I haven't. Well, like, actually, that's not true. I, like... I met one of our next door neighbors when we were finishing the floors. So we weren't moved in yet. And I actually know her from many, many years ago. She lived downstairs below one of my friends at the time. And Weird. I was like, hey, I'm I'm Brie. And she was like, yeah, you're Brie. And then she was like, you're BJ Babs. And I was like, yeah, I'm BJ Babs. <laughs> she knew me as BJ Babs. Um and then John last night he went to the gro- he I sent him to the grocery store because now he still has to work so and I don't have to well I do have to work but I'm not I'm yeah. working from home so I'm like you have to run all the errands now so it's just an, ex- <laughs> an excuse for me not to have to go um, but he walked outside to leave last night and our other neighbors were um, uh, he, we thought it was a. A woman and her mother, but I actually think their um, their partners are they're married or something. Which mm. they seem great and lovely. And they John said they were really nice and was like, and they have a beautiful yard. So he was like, told them when things die down, like we'd love to like have a glass of wine and get to know you guys better or whatever. So um, that's wonderful. I did too the other day. I was like sit. The house across the street, like they have curtains, but they're t- they're like half curtains, and the TV is uh-huh. mounted on the wall above the curtains, <laughs> and so I always see the TV on like always. I'm like, wow, who is this person? And then the other day, like during the day, I saw this like dude who's probably like 35 with the biggest beer belly, like walking around his house. And I was like, oh my God, I wonder if he can see into our house and like <laughs> looks at me like, oh my God, who's that girl in the moo in the colonial yeah. wear? <laughs> Probably. That's, I was happy when we got to move our TV, not on the, it was, you, it was against the wind or like, you know, facing the window for years. And I, when I was, when we started watching Shameless, there was like so much sex <laughs> and also same with um, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and, and like, I just was like, the we have a huge TV. So I was like, they can see. It looks like we're just watching porn. Like, that's <laughs> that's just what's happening. So, um, but yeah, we will get through this. I just miss you. I miss you too. Um, I was texting, we were texting each other with our friend yesterday and I just was like depressed. I was like, I just want to, this should be the season where it's like, it's in the 50s and we hang outside on our porches and drink wine and are together and it's just bullshit. I know. And um, our friend Annie who we were texting with, texted me yesterday 
and was like, hey, I'm outside. Like I'm go, I was going, she was going for a run. So she was like way down on the sidewalk and I like opened the front door and just like kind of waved, you know, it was like, hi. Yeah, yeah. But it's so sad because you're like, we're so close, but like so far Yet away. so far. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm like, we've done a lot on the house and I wanted to be like, come in and like look come. at the house. But it was, you know, you can't do that. So. Yeah. Ugh. I know. So we're just trapped with our partners. I really think, <laughs> I know, dude, don't even get me started on that. Um, you and John got engaged and then you bought a house and then you finished floors and now you have to be stuck together. And now we're quarantining. <laughs> Although he goes to work every day, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's making um, quiche tonight, which I'm very excited about. Well, I was oh, supposed to make good. it on my lunch break and then I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So that's cooking in the oven right now. Um, I'm like having a day where I, I actually like think my period tracker, like maybe I am going to get one because I like, I told Brie like all week, the past few weeks I've been like cooking a lot and like craving really like, like good meals, not just whatever. Today I woke up and had a piece of bread for breakfast with butter, which it's homemade bread. So it was really good. Then I ate, Cheez-Its. Mm-hmm. Then I ate leftover soup, which that was fine. But then I've just continued to only eat Cheez-Its and cookies. I think I've had like six cookies and half a box of Cheez-Its. And I like am not craving anything fresh. I think I'm going to get my period. And, and I'm like, in like nothing sounds good, but I also can't stop. Oh, I get that. Yeah, you're probably going to get your period. And honestly, you've been, your meals have looked dope as hell. You've been eating like really well. And I think you just like needed to numb out with some processed food today and not... <laughs> Like, have to think about making, like, beautiful meals today. Also, if any of you follow me on Instagram, um, you would see that last night I posted that I ate broccoli, which was great, whatever. Then this morning, I voice memoed my belly because I was laying in bed playing Animal Crossing. And I kept hearing this sound. And I was like, there's either a mouse in my bed or, like, <laughs> like what's... Because it happened, like, every six seconds. It was, like, on the beat. I was like, what the fuck? I, like, turned my switch off. I was like, is it something in the game? And then I realized it was my own stomach. And it was making this weird sound like clockwork. And my favorite is someone on my Instagram... Uh, replied to me and said, she's like a medical professional. And she goes, this is the sound of a very good digestive system. There are things in your small intestine that are working their way out. And she, and then I told her, I was like, I had broccoli last night. She's like, oh, the fiber. That's definitely what it is. She's like, don't need to worry. And I was like, it's just weird. So anyways, yeah, the Cheez-Its will hopefully stop all that healthy processing from happening. But I also feel like- Put me back to normal. But I also feel like, you know- if we weren't in quarantine, like maybe you would hear that, but you'd be busy doing other things. It's like, we're so yes. focused on so much because we're running out of things to think about that we're just like, my body is making noises and I'm going to just tune in so deeply to myself. Uh, I also had to like, when I posted that on Instagram, like, uh, erase like my other voice memos because either a there's a lot named after like Alex Karev and they're just they look like I'm obsessed with Alex Karev <laughs> like, and then the other ones are like visiting Donna's home Donna's sidewalk like that episode from when we and I just didn't want people to think I was like a stalker even though I totally am so um I would love to listen to that episode again <laughs> is that a bonus, bonus episode? episode yeah okay I'm gonna listen we to that listen tonight to it. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, so anyway, so should we get into these? I feel yeah. like there's they're they're good episodes. So. <clears throat> yeah, so we're in season nine, episode five, and episode six. Beautiful doom and second opinion. Um, I I can do the first one if you want. Uh, can I? It's shorter. Okay, sure. I'm just feeling like doing a short one. Then you get the longer notes and trivia. It's because I love you. Okay. Um, sometimes things are simply out of your control. You, also, I identify with this monologue. <laughs> sometimes things are simply out of your control. You can't change them. You can't bend them to your will. It doesn't matter if you're already 45 minutes late, your hair isn't brushed, you haven't fixed breakfast, and you're hemorrhaging brain cells by the second while you sit here, dying, dying inside. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the whole (laughs) monologue. All right, the second one. Doctors have never had all the answers. There was a time when you were sick. We'd just drain your blood like you were getting an oil change. We're constantly having to rethink what we thought was true and redefine it. It can be scary to find out you've been wrong about something, but we can't be afraid to change our minds, to accept that things are different, that they'll never be the same for better or for worse. We have to be willing to give up what we used to believe. The more we're willing to accept what is and not what we thought, we'll find ourselves exactly where we belong. Meredith Gray. Nice. Um, Shotgun workup. We have Katie Noonan, complete vascular ring aneurysm. Melissa, femur fracture, crush injuries. Parker's patient, gastropericardial fistula, pneumopericardium, Brian Danzinger, hepatic lesion, anabolic steroid use, and liver cancer, Santa Claus, cyclic or cyclic vomiting syndrome, and Jamie Kiefer, appendicitis, sore throat, neck swelling, Lemier's disease. <coughs> nice. Uh, rounds. Dr. Thomas, um, so we have Dr. Thomas' final surgery and his speech to Christina. Um, We'll get deep into conversation about that. Um, And then we kind of have, I I think we're just going to do the Christina Meredith episode, like the first episode as one talking point. And then we're going to get into the second episode just because a lot of themes didn't like necessarily cross over into the second. Yeah. So then we have lawyers um, trying to establish how much damage the crash caused the victims and suing the hospital. April and Jackson are still having sex. Um, Arizona and Bailey, um, Arizona's back in the hospital. And then Alex buys Meredith's house and he wants to grow up. And then Christina moves in there. And then Richard and Catherine are emailing Jackson on accident, which I think that's a short (laughs) little one, but we'll definitely talk about that. Um, yeah. So first notes, I read your first note and I read mine and I was like, yours is so much better than mine, but mine was that bathtub looks amazing. I saw your first note and I didn't comment on that because I knew you would. <laughs> um, but I just said this monologue hits home. Nothing is in our control, which feels like life right now a little bit. Yes, um, it does. But yeah, let's let's maybe as a whole talk about just this first episode because it just was such a good standalone. And I mean, the really the only two storylines are like Meredith's experience and Christina's and they come together at the end. So if you're cool with that, should we just do that? Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm going to say something. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to be go bold. For it. Do it. I, I think this might be one of my favorite episodes of Grey's Anatomy. I agree. I like ugly cried in this episode. <laughs> And you watched it last night, right? I like watched, at night? Yeah, I watched it last night. And I don't watch this episode very often. And I feel like 
even if I've seen this a million times, I would ugly cry during it. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. And I, I do not know if it's like, if it's a combination of like, what a brilliant pairing of, of Christina and, and Dr. Thomas. And also if it is in part with like, in Grey's, I feel like we're often partial to older people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like storylines with elderly people are just like hit us. And also Dr. Thomas as a character is so surprising, especially like when we first met him during the boards. Yes. We like, we just thought he was this like old school. He made tea. He wasn't he like. He was eating biscuits. <laughs> yes. He was just like, we were like, who's this wacko? And then to know that he's actually like this hardcore, like he chose surgery as his life, sort of like reflection of Christina. It just, it never stopped surprising me. And also, I just think that Christina has never. She's never had a teacher. I don't think she's had Burke as her teacher, then Teddy, and then now Erhan, and then um, and then Dr. Thomas. And I just think for the first time, like Dr. Thomas and her, they they had no personal issues with each other to start. Like they just he just like applauded her and built her up, and it was just so. And it's also like the last teacher she's gonna have. Yeah, and. I think he just gets her because he is I think her. so, too. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of those other teachers that you named were as hardcore as Christina. Definitely not. No, I don't think so. Definitely not Burke. I mean, Burke makes her feel bad and said, you know, that yep. she's not human enough. And similar with Teddy about, I mean, I think they're great teachers, but I just don't think they understand who Christina is. Right, and let her be that way. I it's I actually don't I like wish in an alternate universe that Christina and Alice were able to work together because I do think that they would have worked really well together. I totally agree. Um and I just I, I feel like there's no one else like Christina on the show. Mm-hmm. Um I don't even feel like Meredith is. I, I think you're right. Probably the closest no, is not. Al- it's, the closest is probably Ellis. And right. um, so it was nice for Christina to have Dr. Thomas for these short episodes just to show us that she's not, I don't know, it almost softens Christina a little bit by mm-hmm. him like have living his whole life this way and feeling like he had um, an important life, I guess, and a fulfilling mm-hmm. life. It makes, it makes you okay with like Christina choosing surgery. Yeah, and and like he yeah, he didn't look at Christina's like love of surgery as a flaw, a character flaw. It was like her strength. Mm-hmm. Um so the episode starts with a brilliant first of all, the whole episode it has a lot of side-by-sides of Meredith and Christina, whether they're actually on the phone with each other in real time or just what's happening to them is very similar. Um so we'll just like establish that from the beginning. But the episode starts with Christina in bed with that disgusting dude. Yeah, his name's um, Parker, I found out. Dr. Parker, yes, thank you. And I I get why they like did this, but I just am so like it felt like rapey, <laughs> like when he was like kissing her goodbye and was like she and, and she. They have this inner dialogue also in this episode, which we don't normally have, yeah. where we can hear Meredith and Christina's thoughts, which I wish happened more often because it was actually really brilliant. But she's saying to herself like she can't move, and I this guy that. is like in her bed and just oh yeah. 
And then she's like, I love the part where she says like, oh, I can't look at you. And then she looks in the mirror and she says, I can't look at you either. You know, so she is not, clearly she's not happy with herself and the choices Mm -hmm. she's making and maybe not super happy being in Minnesota. Is that where she is? Yeah, yeah. And and I, as a Midwestern, I loved when she— she finally like leaves and goes outside and her car is covered in snow. <laughs> yeah. And like, I just relate to that feeling. Like, you know what that is. And like walking down the hallway of her apartment and like the lady's like, oh, wow, we got a good snow today. Uh. Yeah. And she's just like, yep. And she's like being neighborly. I love that. She's, she's like neighborly now. Like Meredith's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm neighborly now. Like she says hello to people. <laughs> Right. And she talks about, she's like, it's all in the layers, Meredith. Like talking about how like you have to wear a million layers. It's just like from being in the Midwest, it's just fun to like see them in that atmosphere. Cause yeah, our cars fucking get covered with snow. And I also love that she like doesn't even try to uncover it. She just calls Dr. Thomas to go yes. pick her up. <laughs> Which I love his car and that he is listening yes. to this jazz music in it. Like, of course he's driving this type of car. <laughs> And he gets her, like, a Danish, which is super cute. And um, he says, well, you're in a mood, (laughs) like, right when she gets in. And she, like, makes that face, and then he tells her there's the Danish, and then she just starts eating it. And it's just so cute. And he, like, gives her this surgery they're going to do that day. Yeah. Um, The next thing, this surgery, I said, doomsday preppers. I said, gosh, who's laughing now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I go, I said, I bet they would make my sleep pod. Yeah, I said, should probably have a survival backpack right now. (laughs) (laughs) We really should, maybe multiple. Yeah. Um, Um, So let's maybe talk, well, actually, let's just keep going. I was going to say, so then on the flip side. Do you want to hit on what's happening to Mare, or do we want to like— Yeah, I was going to say on the flip side, then Meredith is driving into work as well. Yes, yes. And um, she has a very nice car, by the way. And there is a crash and there is a woman crushed under Mm. the car. So Meredith pulls over. um, And, okay, a couple things about this. She says, I'm a doctor. She can't breathe. She asks people, like, is anybody going to help me lift this car the barista says, I don't want to be responsible if she is paralyzed. Like, who says that? Also, it, it, to me, that was very, that barista was very obnoxious. Yeah. But then yeah, they yeah. all lift up that car. And I was like, is that possible? Oh, yeah, it is. With that amount of people? Yes, you can lift it at least like a few inches. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Why don't, we should try it when we're out of quarantine. See how many people it takes to lift Dennis Quaid. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I, I think, too, like, right away, uh, we, like, can tell that Meredith is already, like, emotionally invested in this patient mm-hmm. and that it's mirroring the way Lexi was pinned under the, the airplane. She kind of has, like, flashbacks. Well, you know what's crazy is I didn't— and I've seen this fucking show a million times. I did not pick up on, like, why is everyone— because we'll get into, like, people are acting, like, weird towards Meredith. Right. It wasn't until she actually says— like, I know this isn't Lexi, that I was like, oh, oh. that's what's happening. Because I was so confused at, like, why she was trying so hard to save this patient. Like, I get it. Like, 
I, yeah, yeah, but yeah. The storyline was like she didn't want to leave this patient with these interns, and she could. She was like. Zola had a fever, but she couldn't tear herself away. And I was like, oh, my God, she was crushed under something. It's Lexi. It took me for Meredith saying it to remember that. So, Hey, that's okay. There was like a—I feel like there was a sort of like flashbacky something. Like, now I can't remember what it was. I thought there was like something either audio or visual of the plane crash. Maybe there was, and maybe I just missed it. Like, I could have been looking down or something. Also, maybe actually— you know what I think it was? Was for some reason my Netflix played the last ep- last time on Grey's and it was all Christina and Meredith at the airplane crash. So maybe oh. that's what set my brain in motion for that. That could be. That would make sense. Which I, I I wonder if like before the episode aired, you know, like it it did that, like they do sort of. Yeah, yeah, um, that makes sense. But anyways, um, I also loved, I forgot to mention this, when Christina and Meredith are on the phone in the beginning of the episode, um, she's like, I gotta go. I think Zola peed on me. And then Christina says, tell her she'll never get her act together or she'll never be, she needs to get her act together or she'll never be on the Supreme Court. (laughs) (laughs) Which like, I love that they're already like, I don't know, just the way they talk about Zola is really cute. Yeah, setting her Um, up for success. Yep. And and so uh, it was also interesting um, I, this, I have this note next, and I don't know where this was falling in the timeline, but it's, I think it's when Meredith was, like, working with that patient initially, like, right when they got her to the hospital. And Chief is, like, as an elder, like, talking to Meredith and, like, telling her what she needs to do and whatever. And in, in Minnesota, uh, like, Christina was— it was just, like, interesting to see two elders of surgery, like, teaching their—like, Chief was teaching Meredith, and I believe Dr. Thomas was teaching Christina at the same moment in, like, a side-by-side. Um, yeah. Not that Chief is any the same as Dr. Thomas, but— Is it weird that if Chief dies, I feel like I'm going to be still more sad about Dr. Thomas dying? <laughs> no, I don't think so, because—and uh, we'll get into it, but— Yeah, but I don't know. Um um, I also have a note that Dr. Thomas does not want to survive Armageddon, and I go, either do I. <laughs> like, if the, if the end of the world is happening, oh, yeah, she's like, do you have a doomsday backpack? And he's like, no, I have no desire to survive Armageddon. <laughs> and I, like, love that mindset. I mean, that's totally fair, especially at his age. Why would you want to do that? Yeah, why? Yeah. So then fucking Dr. Parker is such a fucking prick. Ugh. And, like— tells um, Dr. Thomas to, like, surrender his license. He's doing this in the scrub room after this surgery. He bu- he busts into the surgery, too, and, like, her aorta blows or something, I think, right? And they, like, get it under control, um, which I want to say, like, I love Dr. Thomas and Christina working together in that, mm-hmm. like, in that scene. And Dr. Thomas stays super calm and Christina's kind of freaking out. And then, like, they kind of get it under control and Christina, like, giggles. Like, they're just a really good team. And I don't know if it's that scene or if it's— I think it's that scene where she, like, says damn or something. And (laughs) and he tells her, like, not to be, like, crass. Is that what he says? Yeah, he's like, I run a clean OR. Like, yeah, he tells her, like— Watch your language in my OR. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I feel like, damn, is not even a big deal. Like, I would be wanting to say, like, fuck (laughs) if that happened. Um, Right, right. And so, yeah, so then Dr. Parker gets all 
pissed off because we know they're trying to push Dr. Thomas out. And it makes me so mad that he like, like yells at him to surrender his license and all this stuff. And he does it in front of Christina. Yes. It's like a power move. Yeah. It's, and then he like asks Christina, he's like, talk to him about this. And I'm just like, you are a prick and I do not like you. Yeah. He's absolutely terrible. I'm glad that I don't think we ever see him again. Um, and, and after that scene, like Mare was also in surgery with uh, her patient and Christina with theirs and um, Dr. Thomas, like it was successful, the surgery. And so the next like whole section is them at their respective hospitals in a side-by-side on the phone, like checking in on their patients and they're both like stable-ish, um, as they say, which is also like an interesting part when they're just so tired and... Um, I love, too, that, like, Mare's like, you know what we need? Or Christy, and, like, they're, like, a 30-second dance party. And then they're just like, but I'm too tired. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, in, they're, like, living through the same experience together. Um, and it's just, it's a cool, I just, I know it's not possible because she's not on the show anymore. But I like to think that, like, that's how her and Christina are still communicating, even though she's in Germany. You know, yeah. like, we just don't see it. Um so all this time, too, Meredith has, like, pawned off Zola on multiple different people because she can't go to daycare because she has a fever. And I just wanted to comment. It starts out, like, really positive. She drops her off with Callie. And I loved that scene. It made me miss Callie so, so much. Um, she just drops her off and Callie. And then Meredith starts to get, like, teary-eyed about leaving Zola. And Callie says, don't be sad. It's good for her to see you work. Yeah. And, like, I love I love that, like, mom to mom. She was like, don't have guilt about this. Like, you go do this. It obviously, like, falls apart later. Um, but it was just a really cool, empowering, like, I love thinking about, like, Callie and Meredith as friends and moms in medicine, you know? No, I totally agree. I'm, like, I thought it was so nice. of, And there was, like, no question about it. Callie was, like, right, absolutely. Right. I'll drop her off at daycare in the morning. My surgery's at 10. Like, she can spend the night. And it wasn't even a question of, like, Meredith, why do you need to stay with this patient overnight? Right. I Yeah, just very understanding, like you said, from woman to woman, mother to mother. Surgeon to surgeon. Um, yep. I was confused at first. I was like, why Why can't Derek take care of Zola? And then I realized he was out of town. I like must have missed that. And then Meredith finally mentioned it. Says it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I missed that as well. I just, just I don't know. <laughs> Derek's just not doing whatever brain, the hell I guess. he's doing. Um, um, go for it. Then I feel like Bailey had a teaching moment with Meredith um, because like Zola is crying and like you said, she had like pawned off Zola and Meredith was like distracted because she could hear Zola crying. And she tells Meredith she needs to have babies crying somewhere other than the ICU. Um, pretty yeah, much- she says if we're going to take over the world, we need to have babies crying somewhere other than Yeah, I love that. that so much. Like this is a world domination issue. Like this is not a you issue, but like your folk. We've Women been- need to take over the world. <laughs> yeah, we have like, we're predispos- predispositioned to like, when we hear a baby cry, I want to make that baby stop crying. And so, like, your baby can't cry here, um, which I think is great. Great teaching moment. I loved that, too. Yeah. Um, it was also, there was, a, like, then right after that, 
um, Karev takes Zola mm-hmm. and Mare's like trying to teach him how to teach her to potty train. He's just like, <laughs> I'm not going to fucking teach your daughter how to potty train. She was like, right, right. But I loved, I just thinking about in current episodes, even though he's gone, like that, like Zola calls him Uncle Alex. Yeah. And to think about like as young as this, he was like, without question, it, it seemed so like taking Zola for yeah. the day, you know? Totally. Um, um, so then they do like a side-by-side of the second surgeries. Um, because, oh, they— well, bef- well, Can they- I do one note before the surgery starts? Yeah, yeah, Before the surgery starts, Dr. Thomas and Christina are sitting outside, and she says, uh, I couldn't work here without you. And he says, you're afraid to fly, and you're not going anywhere, which at first I thought was, like, just, like, a, a phrase. Like, you're afraid to fly. But then I realized, like, no, like, she's literally— afraid to fly, like she can't go anywhere. Um, And then he says, you love me more than anybody has in a very long time. And then he says, look, because this was when she was trying to convince him to like, at least like consult Dr. Parker. And he says, look, if I'm going down, I want to go down fighting for something I believe in. Mm. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Literally going down. Yeah. So then they do a side by side. This is where it gets really rough. (laughs) Yes. So then they do, like, Meredith is working on the second surgery on her patient with the interns, and they're trying to find this bleeder um, to save this patient. And then um, Christina and Dr. Thomas are doing, after they both slept in the hospital with these patients, and then Christina and Dr. Thomas are doing the second surgery on their patient. Mm -hmm. And um, there is this line during the surgery where Christina says, come on, I'm your dream come true. And Dr. Thomas says, that is the truth, which mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, before we get into like what happens to Dr. Thomas, I don't know. Did you write down his monologue? I did. At oh, least okay. I missed like the first sentence, but I have. Okay, good. I, I've kind of banked on you doing that. So I didn't write it. And I, cause I wanted to read it, um, or wanted you to read it. Um, yep, and before his big monologue, too, when they're still operating, he also says to her that if he had children, they would be just like Christina. Um, and and also he tells her, because he's watching her do stitching, and he says, breathe while you're stitching, because breathing keeps you thinking. When you stop breathing, you stop thinking. Yeah. Um, and he says, this is before the, like, monologue, but he says also, you will be the surgeon of your genera- or of your era, generation? I couldn't remember what it said. People will try to diminish you, but they will fail. I would like it to be known that I helped train you. Because they're discussing whose name will be on this surgery. Yes. When it's, like, published. Which I also think is, like, Christina's also not used to people being, like, outrightly um, emotional towards her and, like, just giving her straight-up praise without wanting something in return for mm-hmm. it. Um and doesn't she make a comment like, oh, my God, stop. I'm going to gag. Like, she's yeah. just, like, uncomfortable she with like it. She, like, just keeps it. <clears throat> yes, and he just keeps pressing. Um, yeah, because I love the whole and- thing. He was like, you can have your name first if we publish. And then and then he switched it to, like, I want my name first because I want to be it to be known in the medical community that I helped train you, which I just love that it's not about his name being first about— like mm-hmm. doing the surgery and being the one who was head surgeon or whatever. I don't know anything about publishing, but that it was about training her and working with her. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just really, oh, it's just so perfect. And then, um, so all of a sudden he kind of like goes glassy 
And she's like saying his name over and over again. And it takes a long time. It felt like an hour that he's like standing there in limbo. And then he drops his tools and he falls to the ground. The, um, the way he looks at her, I wrote, I am crying. Mm-hmm. I am weak. I can't stop crying. And I said, oh, no, Dr. Thomas. Oh, no, this, this, fuck. No, fuck. But the way he looks, he almost knows like something is very wrong and I am dying. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He like makes eye contact with her. Yeah. It's it's great and, and, acting. Incredible. Yeah, it really is. And what's incredible too, so before the monologue starts, Christina hears, like once this is happening and like Dr. Parker comes in and there's all these people and she's like, she's basically, which is so amazing, she's doing this surgery, which there's a bleeder. Mm-hmm. So it's like exploding everywhere. She's doing that surgery while telling them what to do to Dr. Thomas and asking questions. Um And in that moment, it gets really quiet and we hear Christina's inner voice saying, don't hold your breath, breathe. And then she says, please God. Like, and I just thought that was like, really, I don't know, the fact that like his last things he said to her was like, don't hold your breath. And so she's breathing. Um, Like I literally have tears in my eyes right now. Like I can barely talk about it. (laughs) It's like this, like, this is probably why I don't watch this episode. It's like harder for me to watch than like Derek dying or anyone. This is like, Maybe the hardest death on Grey's Anatomy for me. Oh, that is my um, uh, hot take, is this is the worst death on mm. Grey's Anatomy to, for me. Yeah. Do you think it's because we love Christina so much and, like, she already lost her dad and then this and, like, I don't know. Like, what do you think is it about it? I think, yes, maybe it's that. But I also, Is it because he's Mr. Feeney? It could be. Because I feel like that could also be has actor. a part of it. It could be the actor. It could be, like, the cluey thing. He's older. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- I think it's probably Christina. But I don't even think it's because I love Christina so much. I think it's just because, like, he's her only friend there. And he's her teacher. Right, right. And he doesn't just die. He dies in front of her during surgery, you know? Right, like, she can't right. help him. She has to keep helping the patient. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. There's a part of me that thinks that it will, A, it was like brilliant casting because the people of our generation who are our age grew up with him. And so like without even knowing what character he's playing here, we sort of feel like we know him. And I mean, he ended on Boy Meets World with like the most epic speech of my, honestly, like impacting my like adolescence. Yeah. And like a character that like, I, if I, I will lose it if I watch the finale of Boy Meets World when he gives that speech and says class dismissed. Like that is to me just so emotional. And so I feel, it almost feels like he's like a similar character because he's like a rough teacher. You know, he's not like a, and and so I just think like we don't, it's like a subconscious like identifying with him that we don't even realize we have. Yeah. But his, so while he's like, it's, he dies and, this is happening while he's dying. And then it's happening in the scenes where Christina is walking through the Minnesota hospital and like Dr. Parker tries to talk to her and she like shoves him aside. She doesn't um, shake his is, hand, which I love. Right. Yep. This is what he's saying, which I think is like, my guess is it's like a little bit of what he said in surgery that we didn't see. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to think it. But he says, women of your generation are graceless. It's an affront to nature. Mediocre surgeons will see you and feel themselves writing in your shadow or wilting in your shadow. Do not shrink to console them. Do not look for friends here. You won't find them. None of these people have the capacity to understand you. They never will. 
If you're lucky one day when you're old and shriveled like me, you'll find a young doctor with little regard for anything but their craft and you'll train them like I trained you. Until then, read a good book. You have greatness in you, Yang. Don't disappoint. I can't. I'm going to like, I can't even talk about it. I'm like literally (laughs) so teary-eyed right now. I like, I told you like I texted you that it was really hard (laughs) and I like ugly cried on the couch and I like, I can't even, that monologue, I don't even have, I don't even know how to like put it into words. I think God, just can we because, get our tattoo? Can we get our tattoo made based on this monologue? I just, I think it's just because like everyone makes Christina feel like shit for who she is. Yes, you know, everyone thinks. I mean, people think you are a great surgeon, but you don't care about people or enough, or you put your craft before your relationships. You know, um, like, like Owen, like Owen and Burke, and um, I think there's even some like fights between Meredith and Christina about that. And yeah. And what Dr. Thomas is saying to her is like, people don't have the capacity to understand this. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you need to change or diminish who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think you're so right. Yeah. That can go any way. Like that lesson is for anyone in life is like, you're a certain way and people don't get that about you. That doesn't mean change. Right. I think that's why I just think like it's so interesting if we look back. I think why Christina is such like an iconic character for us is that she's just so interesting. Like, yeah, like Burke, you know, wanted her to to like be like into wedding planning, be into this, like be more human. Owen never let her go that she did not want a child because her career was more important to her. Never let her like feel okay about that. Mm -hmm. And like, this was the first person that truly understood her was her and like encouraged her to not change. I just love the, the, the sentence, do not shrink to console them. Yeah. Like you don't have, and that's pretty much, holy shit. That is the advice that she gives to Meredith when she leaves by saying he is— Yep. That's the exact advice in her own words about Derek and Meredith and their relationship, that Meredith is the son. Like, I think Christina— He is not the son you are. Yeah, I yeah. think—did I say he is the son? I meant she is the son. Um, no, no, no. What's the quote? It's it's he is not the son you are. Isn't there, like, one other sentence? Yeah, it's something like he is very dreamy. yes. But he is very dreamy, but he is not the son you are. And um, I think it's because she, like, Dr. Thomas, like, shaped her and, like, made it. I think she always was that person, but he made it okay for her to be that person. I think so, too. Wow. Okay, yeah. Her exact quote is, you are a gifted surgeon with an extraordinary mind. Don't let what he wants eclipse what you need. He's very dreamy, but he is not the son you are. Wow. How full circle. Honestly, Christina was the best thing about this show. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So, wow, wow, wow. Do you think that Shonda went out to saw, like, writing the show and, like, had any idea how much people would love her character? I don't know, because I think a lot also shifted in culture throughout. We've been—this is 15, 16 years, and a lot has shifted in in our world in, in regards to women and strong mm-hmm. women, like, female figures and characters and in real life and in, um, like, TV shows and stuff. So 
I don't right. know, but it definitely, she definitely showed up at the right time. Christina did. Yeah, for sure. Um, on Meredith's side, um, she, they're like really struggling. It's Meredith and all, and the interns are trying to find this bleeder. And when they finally do find it, um, which I think like as a viewer, you're supposed to think like, oh fuck, Meredith shouldn't have done this. Um, she she tells them they need to have a 30-second dance party. Uh-huh. And they're all like, what the fuck? And she's like, dance or you're fired. I and like that. none of them can actually move <laughs> because like they're still like working on this patient. So they kind of just like nod their heads in their hands. It's a really great moment. And I just love it. I also love that you see Boki dancing too. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and then after Meredith's surgery, Bailey comes up to her and gives Meredith this Tucker-approved babysitter list mm-hmm. and she says you need a deeper bench yeah like this is which i love too that she's like i don't give this to anyone <laughs> like yeah. um but like you are an attending now you're like you need more help and i just love that and she's not like shaming her with it she's just like here do this and i will also say that it is i love scenes with owen and a kid as much as like i don't always love owen he's obviously like loves babies and him with zola was very cute it was very cute and then there is a knock at the door, and it is oh. Christina. She got on a plane. She, she's home. Mm-hmm. She drank a whole bottle of tequila. And yeah, she doesn't remember her name. Yeah. <laughs> and Meredith says to her, Lexi's dead. And, and Christina says, Yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Say it. Well, <laughs> she said every everyone's dead, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they hug. Yeah, and it's kind of like Meredith finally comes to terms with the fact that Lexi is dead. And it makes me sad, too, that, like, it doesn't, I don't know, that Christina doesn't say anything about Dr. Thomas. I don't think it was the right time, and I think it was, you know, they were wrapping up an episode and stuff, too. But it's just so sad that, like, Christina doesn't even— We don't see her process it. Yeah, it's just, like, he died, and there was I nothing— I do think that's what she means— there's By, like, everyone is dead. Yeah, oh, no, I'm sure. Yeah, but, you know, there's nothing left for her in Minnesota. Right, yep, she totally just leaves. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's the first episode, and it is really sad. It's one of my favorites, though. One of mine, too, yeah. Um. I didn't love the second one as much, but um. I mean, how could you? But I didn't hate it. Um. I feel like no. It, there were some good things about it. Yeah. So, um, what do we want to talk about first? Let's maybe just finish with Christina, like just sure. that she's back. Um. So, really, like all that happens is she comes back, and um, Owen treats her very like coldly and gives her an orientation packet and just says, like, welcome back. Like, and he's not her proxy anymore, he says, for, like, the meetings and things. Um, and and we don't see much of Christina other than that she is upset that Meredith is the mean <laughs> attending. Mm-hmm. Like, she wanted that um, thing. So she starts naming her interns after dwarfs, mm-hmm. like the seven dwarfs, which is how we get mousy. And then, um, is his name Shane? yeah. He alternates between happy and dopey, yeah. <laughs> depending on, like, what his answers are. Which, this is different than her last round of interns got numbers, right? right? Yes. <laughs> so, she's moved on from numbers. I love, too, um, they I say it's, she's worse than Medusa, and she, like, smiles and is, like, very happy to hear that, that she's worse than Meredith. 
Absolutely. Um, and I know we're, we're going to talk about like the airline um, thing, but I felt like I had, oh, the one last thing with Christine and like an Owen at the very end um, there, where does my notes on this? Uh, about him pushing hard? Oh, yeah. So she she ends up doing an operation. That, so D- Jeff Russell is the new um, cardio head. And he's like, a, I feel like he's like a yes guy. He's like, just like, he like meets Christina and he's just like, I heard you're great. Like, go be that way. Like, he's just like, he doesn't want to have to micromanage her. He heard she's great. He just wants her to make his department look good. He doesn't seem to want to like look over anything she's doing. He doesn't want to teach her, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like the opposite of her last few experiences. And but so she ends up like doing this surgery on one of his patients and like doing something without his permission. And Owen like fucking goes crazy on her and is like, you shouldn't have done that. Like, you're going to get fired for this, blah, blah, blah. And then when they he, like, holds a meeting with Dr. Russell. And I, like, loved this moment so much where he, like, Dr. Russell, like, comes in, tells both of them to be quiet, looks at the chart, like, says thank you to Christina, and then says, like, I can see now why you push so hard for her return. And we learn that, like, Owen actually is the reason Christina's back, and, like, he really pushed hard for it, even though he's playing super cold. So he clearly is, like, not done with her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry, when he, No, like, no, you're fine. Like, we're in the beginning of the episode, he's acting like, I don't want anything to do with you. So. Right, um, right. So, yeah. She calls him Chief Hunt, like yeah. to Meredith, because he's like not her husband anymore. Um, I don't really remember the Dr. Russell storyline. Like, I don't know what ends up happening with him. I don't but think much, honestly, because I don't really remember it either. Who's our, oh, our head of cardio now is Teddy, but is there one? Now? Between? Yeah, right now, isn't it Teddy? Yeah, I don't know if there's anyone in between, honestly. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, it's sad for Christina that, like, she doesn't have a teacher anymore. But I also like that this guy's just like, yeah, I mean, like, you do you. Yeah, <laughs> like, go. good, good job. He, he also has a sort of tone of Obama. Like, I think that's why I liked him for a second. Like, his cadence of the way he talks was yes. a little Obama-like. Yeah. Um. Okay, so what do you want? You pick what we talk about next. Um. Let's just quickly talk about Richard and <clears throat> Catherine. <laughs> Oh my God. What if you got your parents' dirty emails to each other? I would hate it. I would not be okay with it. <laughs> I just love that Jackson's calling him sir because he says it helps me. <laughs> like it, it helps him like separate it. Um, also, it is so realistic to believe that Richard just like started to type in like Avery and like whatever email came up first, he just like sent oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, and then that Catherine just, also like just like replied, like that it all got <laughs> fucked up. Like, yes, they absolutely would do that. <laughs> Yeah, and Richard calls um, Jackson's son, and he goes, "Don't call me son." <laughs> like, son, just don't so call much- me son. It was very Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, don't call me son. Um, it was just great. I felt like this was like just a little bit of humor in it, but it sort of ends. Um, oh, also, when when uh, we find out that Catherine replied to Jackson, Richard goes. Or maybe it's Jackson says, he goes, she is a wordsmith. <laughs> like, like she used so many words. I just cannot imagine dirty emailing. If anything, texting. Texting. Maybe they don't have I guess phones not. with text yet. I guess not. But yeah, emails? Like, that just seems like a lot of work. 
<laughs> yeah. And to their work emails. So then Chief, once Jackson like finally approaches him again, Chief kind of like calls him out and is like, honestly, like if I were you, I would have just ignored this and whatever. But like, you're very invested in us communicating with each other. So I think there's a part of you that is happy. Your mom is happy and is happy. I'm happy. And Chief is like so smug in that moment. Like when he gives that speech. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, and then Avery doesn't really disagree. And he's just like, email each other. Like, don't email me again, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So yeah, that's just a quick little one to get out of the way. It was great. I love Richard coherent, unlike current episodes. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about Alex, maybe. That's like a short one. Sure. So Alex is trying to buy, I forgot that Alex buys Meredith's house. Yeah, same. Um, So that's a thing. And this whole episode is just about him, like, he's, like, pushing Meredith to, like, fix all these different things in the house and come to an agreement. Like, he's been, like, sleeping. He's been living there, I think, and sleeping with interns. But then what it really comes down to is he needs to grow up a little. And it makes me, like, sad Mm -hmm. because, like, I miss him. And this is, like, kind of when he starts getting a little more, less less douchey, you know? Right, right. Mm and so, and I love at the end that, like, Meredith calls out all the different things he wants fixed. Or, like, um, those scratches on the ceiling, those were from, like, our first Christmas from the tree. And, like, you you didn't live with us then or you weren't around then because we didn't like you. And then, like, those other things. Right? Were, I love that. Those were from Izzy. And that those marks on the wall, those are, like, Zola's height marks. And mine are on the opposite side. And I just really love that. And then they, like, agreed. Um to, like, just sell the house as is. But, like, I don't... Meredith made some, like, big sweeping statement at the end about it, and I kind of can't remember what it was, but... Yeah, she says... She says, I grew up there. It's hard for me to change things. And then she says... um, because he t- he mentions the the statement that Robbins made to him, which was like, "You have nothing. You yes. are nothing. No one relies on you." And and then she says to him, "Like you got yourself this far. Like you're fine the way you are. Like you don't need all." Because Alex is like, "I need a house. I need something to show for my life." Mm-hmm. And Meredith is saying, "Like you are the way you are. Be- like and without changing. Like don't change just because someone says that." Um, it's also, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, I if, if I think back, besides the, like, beating up DeLuca moment, this, we are exiting douchebag Alex territory. Yeah. Like, he still can be a douche, but we're, we're exiting, like, him not being a stand-up human being. And we're also entering into, like, Meredith Karev friendship territory. Um, Which I And this love. is, like, the beginning. Yeah, I love it, too. There's so many funny things with Alex, though, in this episode. Like, he, um... Well, he says that, like, I st- I'm trying to grow up Mary. He's like, I stopped sleeping with interns. I stopped saying dude, and now I want a place of my own. <laughs> like, the only thing to grow up is to stop saying dude <laughs> to have a place of yeah. your own. Um, he also, too, is working with Joe, and he's just, like, being a dick to her because she gets puked on by the Santa Claus guy. And he's like, it's like a stupidest shtick, but like three times he sees her with puke and tells her to change her shirt. And like, we all know that it's multiple times she's gotten puked on. He doesn't think that. She finally like yells at him and also yells at him that like, he needs to just tell Leah if he's gonna sleep with her again or not because it's driving her crazy. Oh my God, I have a hiccup. (laughs) Um, I like talked for too long without breathing. Um, And so it's it's also- Yeah, I know. It's also, like, fun to see Karev 
Like Joe is the only one that finally stands up to him and challenges him. And then they end up together. Right. So it's like a match, sort of. Um, Also, she's like disgusted by him sleeping with her friends, which is great. Yeah. And, um, and they end up, like, working together. I don't feel like we have to touch on the Santa Claus storyline too long, even though I did love it. But that, like, Joe, when she lets loose to Alex, she mentions this patient and, like, all of his side effects. And Alex is immediately like, I think I know what this is. And, like, works with her to help him get treatment. And so I just think it's a really—this is, like, a great marker for how Karev is going to move on from here. Yeah, the one thing I do want to touch on about, because uh, I don't have anything else about Karev, um, is with the Santa Claus storyline, is, like, I love that Hunt tells Joe, like, uh, like send this guy home or send him away. Like, he just wants drugs, blah, blah, blah. I love that Joe cleans him up and then stands up to Owen and says, poor people don't get good medical care. Smelly people don't mm-hmm. get good medical care. And because, like, Owen's super irritated that she, like, shaved him and cleaned him and put him in new clothes and stuff. And like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time doing this? And I think like Joe, we know Joe's now, we know Joe's storyline that she lived in her car. And, um, but I think she makes a really good point. And um, it's very true that people um, who are smelly and poor don't get good medical care. And it was it was also so shocking how different he looked. Yeah. And so and then I just like, oh, I just felt so sad. I like I felt happy and sad that they figured out and he was just like I know. So it's not the booze or whatever. I don't know. And then they just right, like right. gave him medicine and were like, if you need anything, like or when you run out of this, you find Dr. Wilson or you find me, like Krav says that, and like we'll get you more medication or whatever. And I don't know. I just thought I thought that was good and it was good that Joe like advocated for this patient even though she was told by the chief of surgery to um discharge Not him. Too. I kept wanting to say dispatch. Discharge him. God, I loved that band in high school. Um <laughs> Yeah. Um, um before we get into the next topic, let's take a quick break. Okay. And we'll be right back cuz I have to pee. Okay. Okay, uh, we're back. Thank you for that, everyone. Um, All right. So what do we? We just really had to pee. We just have a couple left. I feel like to talk about. Um, We have the. I feel like the big one is the the airline thing. Yeah, but I don't even feel like it's that big. But like because it's gonna, it's just laying the groundwork for what this season is gonna end up being about, pretty much. True. So maybe let's let's just get it over with. Yeah. so they're trying to figure out who they're going to go after for um, damages in um, and sue, uh, pretty much, in regards to— Yeah. They're, like, assessing their medical and mental injuries so they can, like, monetize how much they need to sue for. Right. Um, which is— it's funny how, like, everyone sort of reacts. Like, Christina's like, see ya, I'm good. Yeah. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm I'm done. Yeah, like, I don't have <laughs> which, anything like, lingering. I'm fine. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, which I love when the interns are like, you threw a vase at my head. And she's like, hearsay. <laughs> like, that did not happen. Um, which I, yeah, you're right. This isn't that big of a storyline. I feel like more than anything, it affects Callie and Derek yes. the most. Um, because... 
Callie, so in the like interviews, they want Callie to say out loud that Derek will never be able to operate again because like basically like if that's true, then what they can sue for is way more like crazy high. Yep. And so she does say it. She says that he will not, she doesn't think he'll be able to. And there's a scene then later where they take a recess. Callie has her head in her hands and, and Derek is like, Hey, you know, like what's going on, whatever. And I like loved the scene. So First, Callie blames Derek for pushing them not to settle. Um, She's like, I wanted to settle, but like you came in there at the last minute with your big speech, which is true. Like none of that is not true. And she's like, how do I stand up to that? Mm -hmm. Um, And then... And then she says, you also pushed me. Like, I didn't want to do the hand surgery. She wanted the other doctor to do it. And he says, I believed you could do it. That's my fault. Which... I don't appreciate like how he's like yelling and whatever, but I do appreciate that he's recognizing that like he isn't, I don't, I actually believe this is true too. I don't think he's blaming Callie for his hand. He's blaming himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that like frees Callie a little bit, you know, to like know that like Arizona's blaming her for her leg, but Derek actually isn't blaming her for her hand, his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I feel that- like she's feeling like she has blame coming from all sides. Oh my God, yeah. Like, and she wasn't even on the airplane. Like, mm-hmm. there's just so much. Um, and we'll talk about Arizona in a second, but uh, Arizona ends up coming back to the hospital. And what I love is she comes back to that meeting room with the lawyers and she retracts her statement. She comes back with all of these ideas for Derek about like she, that she's been thinking about it every single night. Um, she was scared, but now she says that he should have pushed her harder. She has some ideas. And I just think it was a really cool, I just really miss Callie. I don't know. She's just great. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I miss Callie too. And I I love like that her, I feel like through this season that Callie, Derek, and Meredith, maybe Arizona, I can't really remember, like become very close, like become good friends during yes. this season. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she's just, I mean, ultimately, like, Kelly's just scared right now. Like, her wife isn't, like, coming to the hospital. She's just, there's so much unknown and up in the air. And she feels like she fucked over her wife. She fucked over Derek. Um, she's just trying to process that. And, um, but then I she ends up saying when she comes and tells, like, Derek or whatever, the group that she's hopeful again. I think she feels that way because she saw Arizona walking in the hospital. I think so too. Yeah. Which before we get to that, just so then in that final meeting too, they have Owen step out and only victims in there. And they say, they're not going after Jerry, the the pilot. They're not going after the charter. They're going after the hospital. And it's just like silent. And it like ends right. around on that. Right. So Because the hospital um, is negligent. So right, so here we go. Um, What do you want to talk about next? Should we talk about April and Jackson and end with Arizona? Sure. So April and Jackson are still having sex. Yeah, and it's like clearly super good sex. Yeah, but April's like guilt is overtaking her. April ends it just like every time with just like oh, but Jesus, which is like. It's fine, like, if that's what how you feel, but then stop having sex. Right. I do want to say, and, like, as someone who, like, grew up in that world and definitely, like, f- 
felt that guilt. It's like super real, but yeah, like I, she needs to like step out of that. But I, I do like that Grace like touches on this. I do think they make a little bit of a mockery of it. You know, like I wish it was a little bit more serious because like guilt is a real thing. Oh, for um, sure. And like feeling ashamed about sex and like yeah. shame about sex in regards to um your religious beliefs is a very real thing. And I think it even translates into people who like no longer believe in that, but still end up feeling shame about it, you know? So a hundred percent. I think it's, yeah, I think it's an important storyline and I, I don't even, I think it's an important storyline, I guess too, that she continues to do it and feels like, oh shit, I'm like falling off the bandwagon again. I just feel bad that she keeps making Jackson yeah, feel Avery. bad about it, you know? Yeah, first she describes it to a car crash that you like can't look away from or something. And the second one is the one I wrote down when she says it's like a dessert that tastes so good, but then after you eat it, you feel tired and bloated <laughs> and guilty. And A, I like definitely resonate with like eating something and then feeling terrible after you eat it. And like, I just like loved, not like mentally, just like physically, like when I ate broccoli last night, but um, I just like loved that, and he's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like these, can you imagine having sex with someone and then being like, oh my God, you're like dessert that makes me feel like shit afterwards. I, I would cry. I would feel yeah, so it's bad. so sad. And yeah. it's nice it's, to realize then that like Jackson finally admits like this isn't just sex, like he has feelings. Right. And I think April didn't really get that. You know, until yeah, I I don't think so either, and I don't even think she allowed herself to have feelings because she thought there's no way in hell he has feelings for me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so here we go, hopping on this roller coaster. We're only only to be let down. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, And so that's really all I have about that, other than that, Alex uses the word boinking when he's like. Are you two like boinking still? Before, too. <laughs> yeah, and then April goes, does everybody know this? And someone goes, God and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that. That's funny. Oh, it was a great line. Great line. Um. Okay. So then we have the most miraculous Bailey teaching moment of all time. <laughs> uh, it is her MVP moment. I agree. Yeah. Also, she doubts herself. She's like, oh, shit. Maybe I went too far. Yeah, but she's trying to get... Um, Arizona to get back into the hospital. And so she tries to do a consult with her over the phone, wants her to look at this case, look at these files. And Arizona's like, just like fax them over or whatever. And she's like, oh, they're not in. Like, I'll have an intern drop them off, which she never has them drop anything off. And so Arizona has to walk to the door. She ends up falling in the yeah, house. That's a sad. Moment. And then there are no charts outside, so she slams the door. <laughs> um, which ultimately, I don't know if you want to talk more about it, but ultimately it brings her into the hospital because right. she's she's not getting these charts. And that moment was like really powerful for me when she walked into the hospital. It reminded me of like when Izzy is just standing in the entryway and can't bring herself to go in. And then when she finally does, like, I I love the way that Bailey is like, oh my God, she's like a scared mouse. Like we, like we can't move. Like this is, we have a one chance to do this. And she tells Callie to like go away. And Callie goes, 
okay. Like she says, okay. And like the weirdest voice, I wish I could like type it out. It was so funny to me. She's just like, okay. And she like runs away (laughs) because Bailey says that Callie's like too much pressure. Mm -hmm. Like if, if Arizona were to see her and Bailey knows her just well enough to know that like, she's curious about this patient and she's frustrated enough to know that she can help and like, but hasn't been able to. And I don't know. It was just really magical. You're right. It was like Bailey's best teaching moment. And she, I just felt like she was such a good doctor, but also friend in that moment. And she helped Arizona do something that I don't think anyone could have helped her do, but didn't make it about like Bailey. She was just like very tactful in it, you know, and also didn't like, make it about Arizona and her leg. And, oh, I'm thank you so much for coming into the hospital. Just, like, very much about this patient. Didn't draw Yeah, she any never attention. even mentioned the leg. Yeah, doesn't draw attention to Arizona at all. I just thought it was a really good job. I agree. I think the only way to do that is to literally act like it's no big deal that she's there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I thought it was really um, great. The o- um, we can talk about the end. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, the only other thing is I forgot that Christina and Alex lived together. It was such a good moment. Alex finally gets the keys and he walks in and Christina's there. And I love when when he goes, you asking me for help. And she goes, well, when you put it like that, I want to kill myself. <laughs> Which, like, I feel like is such a bold statement, but coming from Christina, it's just perfect. Yes. <laughs> Alex tells her she has to pay for, she has to buy toilet paper, rent's due on the first, and he gets the master, mm-hmm. which is like so good. I love it too um, because he's like, no, no roommates, because he's like, I'm going to be an adult, <laughs> this or that. And she's like, oh, come on, please. And I just love that, like, even though Alex bought this house, it's still a house for strays. Like, that's yes, just exactly. what this home will always be. I love it so much. I agree. Um, I have two other random notes, and okay, then I'm right. good. One is that there's a scene in the very beginning of the second episode with all the new interns in the locker room. It's like when Joe has puke on her shirt and whatever. And I was like, in retrospect, I actually like these interns. You know, like, yeah. like now that we know their stories, like I'm enjoying seeing them and their banter together. It's like, what's the phrase of something is 2020? Uh, Hindsight is 2020. Yeah, like, I I think that whenever new people are introduced, we're, like, initially cold to it. But then once you can look back on it, you're like, oh, these people are great. Yeah, okay, (laughs) great. um, And my other note is, oh, that in the surgery with Christina and all the interns, Shane kind of, like, is the smartest one, clearly. And and I just wondered, like, is this the beginning of— their sort of like teaching moment, you know, like Dr. Thomas told her to find a young intern that is wanting to be like taught and, and like who cares about surgery. And I feel like maybe that's this. And also in that surgery, she says, we're doing things the old school way. And she like does something that I think Dr. Thomas did, which was just really sweet. Oh, my one note is, um, I was just curious about um, flowers, why aren't they allowed in the CCU? I don't know. I don't know. Bees? I don't know. Bees. <laughs> Bees. Good answer. Um, notes and trivia? Yeah. Um, the first one, this episode's title originated from the song Beautiful Doom, originally sung by Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> wow, what a... This episode scored 9.26 million viewers. Christina finally comes back to Seattle after she previously left to take a job at Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. 
great. And then the second one, this episode's title originated from the song Second Opinion, originally sung by Murder by Death. This episode scored 8.84 million viewers. Santa Claus mentions it's freezing outside these days, so the episode presumably takes place in late autumn or winter. Obviously, did they say Minnesota snow? (laughs) Well, no, but Santa Claus— Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one episode later. Yeah. Yeah. In this episode, Alex buys Meredith's old house from her, becoming a first-time homeowner. In addition, Christina moves into the house as a renter, marking the first time she's ever taken official residence in the house. Previously, she had been the only series regular resident not to. Meredith, Alex, Izzy, George, Lexi, Avery, and April have all lived in the house from time to time. Oh, that's interesting. The cyclical vomiting syndrome story was inspired by Chandra Wilson's daughter, who has the same disorder, which uh, prompted her mother to suggest the storyline. Interesting. Interesting. That would suck so bad if your kid wouldn't stop throwing up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, The Catherine Fox Award. We both gave this to the same person. No question. Dr. fucking Thomas. Dude, I mean, like, I, I could, there was a moment in the podcast today I could barely talk because I was so emotional about it. So if he doesn't get the Catherine Fox Award, I don't know who does. <laughs> um, and then this also, we we both wrote our notes separately and we both wrote 10 out of 10 scalpels. I wrote, I wrote, okay, I literally got GGBs in both episodes, so sue me. And Brie, what did I you wrote, write? I ugly cried in both. I have a lot of feelings in quarantine. <laughs> This is a 10 out of 10 mid-season. Not even mid, it's like earliest season. I can't believe it. I really can't believe that we gave these a 10 out of... I mean, I can, but it's not like us. I I wish Dr. Thomas was in it longer. Like, I get that he's old and was probably tired. Abby, (laughs) like, like, I I agree with what you said last episode. Like, I would watch a series of Dr. Thomas and Christina. Hands down. Yes. It's their banter and her calling him a um, a historic landmark. Yeah. <laughs> like everything is so good. And I just like can't get over, I will say this until I die, that like the storyline of Christina and what she ends up doing is so fucking perfect. Like it is, it honestly makes more sense than her staying on the show. It really does. It does. It's just so cool. So I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful I for just Dr. Thomas. R.I.P. We miss you. Um, Love you. The real actor is still kicking it. Hope to God he. He's can, like 93 years old. I hope he makes it through this pandemic because I honestly don't think I'll be able to handle it if he doesn't. <laughs> oh my God, me either. Also, we should watch Boy Meets World together sometime. Yeah, let's do it over a Zoom meeting. <laughs> Okay. Um, Listeners, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. We hope that this is entertaining you during your social distancing time. Remember, um, we are pausing our payments for current patrons, but you can become one at any time on www.patreon.com slash the on-call room. We haven't done our Zoom meeting yet, and I don't think we will have by the time this releases. So, whoa, hiccup. So we'd be happy to have you at it. If not next month, it is the perfect time to hang out with other great listeners. We love you so much. Bree, do you want to call time of death? I would love to. Time of death is 2005.